A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, hello, and welcome to Food Network Obsessed. This is the podcast where we dish on all things food with your favorite chefs, food influencers, and Food Network stars. I'm your host, Jamie Sire, and today we have a return guest on the podcast to talk all things summer and how things are heating up on our favorite coastal competition. She is a chef, restaurateur, and host of Beachside Brawl. It's Antonia LaFaso. Antonio, welcome back to the podcast. How have you been? So good. It's always so good to see you and talk to you. Hi, hi, hi. Hi, hi, hi. We are so happy to have you back. I love having repeat guests because, you know, I feel like there's never enough time to chat about everything. And this particular episode is going to be all about summer. Of course, we're going to dive into beachside brawl. But first, I want to hear what your summer typically looks like on the West Coast. So uh, crazy enough, I've actually been all over the place this summer. I know. <laughs> And and I prefer it that way because, I mean, listen, I live in Los Angeles and I don't mean to make anyone jealous with this statement right now, but it's like 78 degrees and sunny, 365 days a year over there. (laughs) So for the summer, I tend to like kind of travel as much as I possibly can. And then, you know, it's the year, you know, it's obviously all the months of like graduation. So my cousin graduated high school. And so I'm originally also from New York, like I was born in Long Island. And so I spent a little bit of time in Long Island. I have some family up in Pennsylvania. I went to see them in Pennsylvania, New Jersey. My goddaughter lives there. And now I'm in New York City. So I'm actually, I've kind of been all over the place this summer. I mean, that sounds like a a fantastic summer, if you ask me. You know, as you kind of alluded to, summer is kind of this magical time, especially, I think, when you're a kid, right? What, What are some of your fondest summer memories from your childhood on both coasts? 
You know, for me, it was really like spending so much time in the streets when I lived in Long Island. So there were all these communities. We had block parties like every other week, you know, like when 4th of July kicked off, everyone was lighting fireworks off in the street. (laughs) No, like, you know, all the families would bring, you know, their barbecues into the middle of the street. They'd be barbecuing. All the kids would be out. There'd be, you know, everyone would be in their pools in the backyard. Like kids would be running from house to house. And for me, that was like my, my most fondest memories of like community life in Long Island, where there were always this amazing block parties and these cookouts. And, you know, 4th of July was always just like such a big holiday, Mm -hmm. you know, where, you know, obviously the same thing where I am now in Venice, California, it's like, you know, it's such a big, you know, we have a huge firework display in, in Marina Del Rey. And for us, it's like, we have the boardwalk down there. So Mm -hmm. between Santa Monica, all the way down to Marina Del Rey, it's like anything you could possibly think about in the summer happens on the Venice Beach boardwalk. And so you can spend your entire day people watching, you know, having like fried Oreos, you know, like Mexican corn, playing pickleball, like, you know, swimming, watching all the surfers. And so it's, it's so, the coasts are so, so different and there's so many great memories, but I mean, all of it has to do with like, definitely some form of like food memory without question, fireworks, you know, <laughs> swimming and a lot of sunshine. Although on the East coast, I like to say this, it's like we get the sunshine and then all of a sudden there's like torrential, humid, <laughs> like downpours of rain. Yes. Which was what we've been saying for the last week for yeah. sure. Yeah. What, what are some of those food memories that you, you can, that come to mind? You know, I always get into the debate of like, you know, obviously the barbecue has like the all-American hot dog, right? Mm -hmm. So there's always some kind of like hot dog debate of what everyone puts on their hot dog. And it's always dependent on the coast, which I think is so funny, right? (laughs) And then the same thing with the burger. It's like, it's always like dependent on which coast you're on, like the direction that the burger goes, the direction that the hot dog goes. And then, you know, just what, you know, it's so funny. People ask me this question, right? All the time about Beachside of like the two different styles of food and, you know, how we're celebrating it on the show and how we're sort of showing how each coast really just does their one thing so, so, so well. And what I love so much about the East Coast is, right, all of the seafood fried elements that we get, right? You think about like walking along a boardwalk or being Mm -hmm. on the beach and eating like, fried clams or like the perfect lobster roll or, you know, even having a chowder, even if it's like 90 degrees outside. (laughs) And then, you know, and then on the West coast, you're thinking about like, you know, how can I take raw fish and just douse it with a ton of like lime juice and chilies and, you know, make all these sort of like fresh, highly acidic dishes. And so it, you know, or, you know, some kind of like fried fish taco, you know, where I grew up in LA, it's like the Baja fish taco Mm -hmm. is like, quintessential summer, you know, that fried fish on top of some kind of like spiced mayonnaise and a like perfectly crispy tortilla. And then this like raw cabbage salad, that's like highly, highly, highly limed. And you eat it with like fresh chilies or, you know, everywhere that you go in Los Angeles, especially where I am in LA, it's like the street taco vendors, you know, where you're getting just like octopus salads and fresh, like cocktail and, you know, like oysters, like right outside. It's just, Mm. it's brilliant. Ah, you're making me miss my days in San Diego for sure. Talking exactly. about those Baja fish yeah. tacos. What about like seasonal summer produce? What What do you look forward to the most when it comes to summer produce? You know, I don't mean to sound, you know, so cliche when I'm like, what do you look forward to in the summer? But 
I cannot wait for corn to come on the scene, <laughs> you know, and for the record, you know, and I don't want to get too into like, you can only eat corn in the summer and blah, blah, blah. Cause we get corn all year round and whatever. I eat corn in December as well. You know, especially like if I'm doing like some Mexican street corn, like without question all year long, but there's something about corn in the summer that you eat it raw and it's so freaking good. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you talk about like the corn milk. I do this dish at Scopa and it's specifically when corn season comes out where I take the corn and I cut it off the cob directly into a bowl. Mm-hmm. Cause as you're cutting it, it's, you're breaking obviously the kernels and all of that beautiful corn milk. And I'm actually saying milk cause it is creamy. It is milky, white. Yeah. Yeah. As it cuts through that I take that corn milk and right then and there, turn it into a vinaigrette. So adding a little bit of lemon juice, like a pinch of mustard, whipping it together. And before you know it, I have like this corn milk vinaigrette that goes on this like watercress salad. And so there's just so many different things that you can do with corn. I mean, A, I would eat it. I would dip it in just hot water, roll it in butter and douse it in salt. (laughs) But, you know, between like the corn raviolis, the corn salads, the charred corn. I mean, for me, it's just like corn all day. And then also like stone fruit, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like all of the peaches and plums and like pluots and like things that, you know, are only here for a very small amount of time. You know, the best strawberries are in the summer. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, really kind of like playing with like the stone fruits and the berries and things like that, that, you know, aren't, I mean, I'm not going to eat a peach in November. <laughs> no, that, that, that seems wrong, right? It just, I mean, you know, again, I don't want to like sound like, you know, uh, it, oh, I can only go with the seasons, but but I'm telling you, peaches only in the summer. Yeah. You mentioned the the corn dish at one of your restaurants. How how else does like your restaurants kind of embrace that that summer season? You know, Honestly, living in Los Angeles and being a chef in Los Angeles and having my three restaurants, the change of the season is important to the menu. So when summer is, you know, in town, we are using everything that's coming from the farmer's market. So, you know, everything gets changed. Any kind of fruit that's on like our burrata prosciutto dish, you know, it goes into our summer melons. It goes into, you know, we get beautiful melons in the summer. We get, you know, we like highlight watermelon, obviously tomatoes, but tomatoes more towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. So people sometimes get into like, I can eat tomatoes in June. I'm like, Until I'm August. Like August. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tomatoes, like your end of the summer, you know, fruit. So all of the, all of the restaurants get like a change out of like n- normal things that we use as we move into the, into like the winter months or the spring or whatever it is. We change out all of the fruit. We change out all the vegetables, just depending on what it is. So. Yeah. You mentioned that the weather there obviously is kind of summer weather all year round. What, what does your perfect beach day look like? So my perfect beach day would be early, early, early. So I'm at the beach, especially like in Venice and Santa Monica where I live, like I'm up at like nine. Well, I'm up at like 5 a.m., but I'm at the beach by like 9, 9.30. I love mm. that kind of cool morning that moves into summer. And I ride my bike down there. And so taking sort of this long bike ride, you know, down Lincoln, like through the boardwalk and then setting up camp just out there. And I'm not, it's funny because I remember like having a friend when I was, I don't know, in like the seventh or eighth grade. And every time you would bring like too many things to the beach, she's like, what are you doing? The beach is just like... It's, you don't live here, right? You don't have to bring. <laughs> you don't like, move in. You don't move in, right? Exactly. Like you don't need keys. Like you didn't sign a lease. Like you just, you know, bring what you need for the day, right? And so I keep it really simple, right? Like I'm, I'm into a specific outfit that I wear, right? And so 
I'm, I put my bathing suit on, but I actually tie my Turkish towel like around my waist as if it could be a skirt, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden it becomes my towel. Oh, and so, yeah. And so I've got my towel that is now like around my waist and I ride my bike down there and I always have like a bottle of water. I always have my like little speaker so I can listen to music, you know, a book and, you know, some like beach snacks, which is usually just like fruit, you know, maybe like a protein bar, nothing like, you know, I'm not like building a fort down there and like, you know, starting <laughs> although that's how my parents were when we were kids. Really? Yo, my goodness. My mom used to bring like a hibachi down to the beach. <laughs> we used to have bacon and eggs like on the beach. Then we would move into sandwiches for lunch and then would make like burgers for dinner and we would spend 12 hours at the beach. She'd be like, why don't you want to go to the beach at six o'clock in the morning? I'm like, do we have to? <laughs> so my parents would do an entire day at the beach. So they were moving in. They moved in. Yeah, maybe that's why I'm like a little triggered by it. I'm like, I'm only bringing water. You're like, I'm just going to keep it super simple, minimalistic. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of the beach, let's talk Beachside Brawl because you are hosting again for the second season. And obviously it's East versus West Coast and the competition is hot. What, What do you like about this format compared to other competition shows that you've been part of? You know, I love so much the fact that we're celebrating the summer. Right. And we're Mm -hmm. celebrating. Not only are we celebrating the summer, but, you know, I mean, yes, it's a it's a fun competition like East Coast versus West Coast. But I think that there is like this sort of education and the behind the scenes of what everyone loves about the East Coast and what sort of makes it quintessentially East. Mm -hmm. And then the same thing with the West that we don't always get to dive into week after week on a competition show that, you know, maybe we'll celebrate one episode about the summer. Right. Mm -hmm. Or a barbecue episode about the summer. This is all eight weeks are all summer driven. And it's like all the things that you love so much about the beach. Like this year we're cooking on the sand, you know, a couple times the captains go out and fish at some point. And so like all the things that you know and love about the seaside, right. Whether it's, you know, down by the sand or whether it's, you know, on a boat or at the pier and the way that you celebrate your summer at the pier, or, you know, there's so many different versions of it, you know, and so many different things that you can, you know, celebrating the grill, celebrating the smoker, celebrating, Mm -hmm you know, and not just having it be like, you know, the things that we think are for the summer, you know, it's like your best summer pizza and, you know, all the things that we've grown summer food into, you know, I think all of it's celebrated and all of it's like specifically talked about. And then it's specifically talked about for the East Coast and the West Coast. And then also the brilliance of seeing so many different parts of each coast, right? So when people say West Coast, you know, we also are talking about the Pacific Northwest, right? And we're thinking about like what beach looks like in places that are like Seattle, right? Mm -hmm. That are more mountainous, you know, and not so beachy, if you will, you know, in places that are more like deep Florida or the Carolinas versus, you know, somewhere that's just like New York or, you know, Miami. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And, and here's the thing. I get a ton of DMs and questions. Also, the people are like, when are you coming to the golf? I'm like, <laughs> I promise we're trying to do it. <laughs> we I mean, know that there's other beach areas. I promise. It's only the second season. We're going to do it. Yeah. Keep watching and yeah. it'll make it happen, right? Exactly. I mean, what, what do you, I mean, you kind of just like broke down like a lot of different like regions within those two coasts. What, what do you think is the biggest difference between East and West Coast when it comes to that, you know, coastal culinary style? You know, I think it's, it's, it's interesting because we have all the, you know, we have all the same ingredients on the West coast that we do on the East coast, or at least we can get them. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like all the ingredients essentially are interchangeable, right? Avocados are not only allowed to be used in California, although for the record, (laughs) that is the running joke on Beachside Brawl that if there's an ever an East coast, like contestant grabbing an avocado, everyone on the West coast is like, what are you doing? I was like, (laughs) 
guys, the West Coast does not own avocados. <laughs> and then, and the same thing with the East Coast. As soon as like someone's using an avocado, it's like, of course they used an avocado and a, and a like jalapeno. I was like, everybody stop. <laughs> so it's like, you know, there's so many different foods that are interchangeable, but like, I'll give you a very specific, right? There was a gentleman last season who all he wanted to do was celebrate the beef steak tomato, like the Jersey beef steak tomato, which mm-hmm. again, summer tomatoes, yes, but specifically the Jersey beef steak. And so again, kind of talking about what makes a Jersey beef steak so, so special, right? And it brought me back to my childhood because my dad, you know, we're all from the East Coast. My dad would talk about Jersey beef steaks before I knew what an heirloom tomato was. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, of course, you know, on the West Coast, everyone's like, oh, heirloom tomatoes and, you know, the cherry tomatoes from the farmer's market and, you know, all the, all the different farms that we, that we use on the West Coast. But to understand like the Jersey beef steak tomato and what it means to that state and what it tastes like, et cetera. And so we dive into the specifics of like the ingredients that mean so much to specific states and why they use them. Have you yourself like learned anything new over the course of these two seasons? What I've actually learned so much, which uh, I love more than anything is, you know, there's so many, like we had like this incredible chef who, you know, has like a Cuban background, you know, and another chef who spent so much time, you know, in Florida and New York. And, you know, I think one of his wife was like Puerto Rican. And so really like diving into sort of like these Cuban familial dishes, these Puerto Rican familial dishes was like such, I mean, I know a lot about it, but Mm -hmm. really seeing it hands on in the hands of a chef who you know, owns it in a way that like, this was what my grandmother made. This is what my wife makes. These are the traditions that are in our household that are like Cuban by way of Miami. And so to me, really like hearing chefs talk about that, like it's it's a different learning experience and like picking up a book and reading about like Cuban food, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's just a different, it's a different conversation listening to these chefs talk about their Cuban grandmothers making this dish, what they do in Miami and how that looks. I love that. It's also fun to see, you know, this season's captains, Brian Malarkey, Eric Achapong, they're going head to head. How intense does their own competition get? Well, I've known Brian Malarkey probably for the last 12 years, and he (laughs) actually gets like more intense with age. So, (laughs) but here's the thing with Malarkey, right? Like, you can see him and you're just like, oh my God, this man, like, how does he get, you know, it's like, it's crazy. Like, how does his mind work like this? His food is phenomenal. Like, so phenomenal. Every single one of his teammates or, you know, that he was obviously like the captain and everyone that, you know, he led on that team listened to him so intently because both Eric and Malarkey, right? Their backgrounds in culinary competition have gone on for years, You know, some of the hardest culinary competitions, some of the most intense culinary competitions, what they have to teach is not just food, right? It's competition, right? And so a lot of these first-time competitors coming out to do, you know, an arcing show like this that goes on for, you know, eight weeks, they're nervous, right? Mm -hmm. They've never done this before. They, you know, suddenly are being mic'd every day. You know, we're on a pier. We've got people stand, I mean, got hundreds of people standing on the pier, like watching us and screaming for us and suddenly like picking a coast, right? (laughs) And, you know, it's, it's really intense. It's really like, you know, it's very scary. And I think having Malarkey and Eric there, not only just to coach them, like, okay, this is how you play this game, but to kind of, you know, have them on their side and on their team, it just made the chefs 
It gave them the ability to really cook the way they wanted to cook and feel like they were supported versus they were like, you know, just on a boat by themselves, like making these dishes with no one behind them. And that's how a lot of competitors feel the first time out. You know, the first time out, it's like you got a host, they tell you what you're supposed to do, and then you get no real direction after that. And so you kind of feel like, you know, you're stranded on a buoy. And, you know, this is the kind of thing where these chefs fell in love with their, with all of their teams. Like they were so invested in every single one of them winning. And the sad part was, right, like only, I had to keep reminding them every single time someone went home Uh because the chefs on each team, every time one of their teammates went home, it was like tears. It was like, pissed, angry, you know, and I, and I was like, I get that we're all upset, but for the record, only one of you could win. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So (laughs) not that I want you guys to be excited when a team member goes home, but I had to keep reminding them that this is the process and this is what was going to happen because they just behave like such a team every single day they walked in there and their mentors behaved like such leaders every single time they walked onto that pier that, you know, every time somebody went home, it was just like the world was ending. And I was like, guys, this is, you know, I, I, I set up the game at the beginning, like you knew <laughs> this was going to happen, but it just showed like how invested everyone was, you know, obviously in the entirety of the show and also in their teams, which was really sweet. Yeah. I think you bring up a really good point that that mentorship piece, I think is really important in this show in particular. Who did you see the the most growth from over the course of either last season or this season? Well, it was, it's so funny too, because Eric and Malarkey just mentor so differently, but their teams respond to both of them, like so incredibly well. Mm -hmm. Like Eric was like very like undercover, you know, just, he had that like quiet confidence that mm-hmm. that he Eric has like that dad voice you know like when, mom, <laughs> when your mom was like wait till your dad gets home and like your dad didn't say anything for 30 minutes and you were just like oh my god <gasps> that's what Eric was like right and Malarkey would just like come in running and screaming and so um both were equally as effective just for the record you know there was there was so much growth and I don't want to give anything away I don't sure, want to give anything away but there's a young lady on the east coast team who like was I had it there were so many tears, like having conversations because one of the biggest moments I think we had, she had made this mafungo dish. Okay. Again, like, you know, coming from, she wanted to do a a dish specifically from Puerto Rico and it was supposed to be this upscale dish. And she decided to put, and I watched it happen, right? She decided to put the green banana in the blender. Mm. And in my mind, I was like, you just made the stickiest glue in the world, right? And it's so strange because we all know that like the mafungo, like all of the banana is like fried and then it's mashed, you know, with garlic and, you know, some sazon and butter, et cetera. And I was like, I wonder why she's putting it in the blender, right? And so we ate the dish and afterwards she was like, well, I knew that you said that it needed to be like an upscale dish. So I needed to make it into a puree. So I, I changed what my grandmother did. And I was like, why would you do that? Do you know what I mean? And we had this moment, her and I, where, you know, I said, the word refine doesn't mean changing years of tradition for like cultures of food that have dishes that are made a specific way because you think it's supposed to look a certain way, right? 
because of what you think fine dining or refined is supposed to look like. And it was this really deep conversation. Eric looked at me afterwards. He's like, I'm so happy you said that to her. And I was like, I don't even care if this plays. I want like, this is just like, you know, young chef to like older chef, Mm -hmm. right? Because we all, we've all struggled with that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, this sort of very sort of peasant style dish that I make in Italy that doesn't really come across in like a fine dining restaurant. So therefore I won't do it. And I'm like, no, like what your grandmother made, like what your abuela made was exactly what you should have given us. Because Mm -hmm. actually what you gave us is now sticky glue that we all hate. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? That might send you home. And actually every other part of this dish is so beautiful and so delicious. And what makes it refined is just the way that you played it, whether it was a puree or just a small little mash of something. Mm -hmm. And so it was this very sort of intense moment of growth where I was like, do not change your culture of food because you think it's not refined. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really like, she was crying. I was crying. It was Aww. like this. Yeah. It was like, you know, I was like, I don't even care if this plays. I just <laughs> hope you never do. I don't hope you never change your culture of food again, because you think someone's not going to like it a specific way. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that is a moment that she will never forget for sure. Oh yeah. We talked about it for a while. <laughs> Coming up next, Antonia tells us what it was like filming Beachside Brawl in Redondo Beach and later gives us a scoop on her appearance on Barbie Dreamhouse Challenge. Stay tuned. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Well, 
Well, as you mentioned, you know, the show is filmed in Redondo Beach and you can see the people on the pier standing by. They're checking out what's going on. They're getting involved. How, how do you interact with them in the show? Uh, we loved everyone that came out. It was like, at first, it's funny because, you know, Brian Lando, who's the executive producer on the mm-hmm. show, he was like, I hope people come and watch this. I was like, I hope people come and watch it too. Because the energy on the pier brought so much to not only Brian and Eric, you know, as as like team captains, but it's all the chefs because they felt like people were somehow invested. So it was crazy, which was even more amazing. Everyone in Redondo Beach was so excited that we were back for another season. Mm-hmm. So they were all like, oh my God, we were wondering if you're coming back. And as soon as they found out that we were there, they were there every single day. So the crowd <laughs> started on day one. It took us like, I think like eight days to film or nine days to film. But it was like, Every single day, there were more and more people as if they went and told their friends. And so, and then the crazy part was, you know, and I'll, I get a lot of stuff on Instagram where they're like, well, you know, you're filming on the West Coast. So therefore, it's like not really fair. I'm like, guys, there were more East Coast people there than there were West Coast people. I think at one point, the East Coast side, everyone's like, I'm from Philly. I'm from, you know, they were all transplants from the East Coast that are now on the West Coast that were cheering on the East Coast. And then you got all the people on the West Coast. You had some families divided, which was really funny. The dad's (laughs) like, I'm going East Coast. And they were screaming and chanting and like doing the countdown with me when they had 10 seconds left, you know, it was, and they were just like, I mean, you know, where you would think sometimes like, you know, it took us like 12 hours to film a day. They weren't even tired. They were bringing out chairs. Like they're like, (laughs) we're watching this whole thing go down. They're ready to go. Oh, a hundred percent. I love that. I mean, did it get hot? Did the sun affect anything at all? No, it was like nine degrees below zero outside. We shot, (laughs) we shot this in March. We shot this in March. So, and for the record, like we're on the pier. So the pier is like in the ocean. And so (laughs) there it was, it was cold actually. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, how how did that affect it? Did that, did the the cold affect anything in the competition? Um, No, I think it just, it's interesting because once everyone was moving, we were totally fine, but there were times where the entire, you know, it looks, I mean, the sun is out, right? So Mm -hmm. the sun's out. I mean, it is like people are in the ocean, people are walking around and like swimming and stuff, but it would go because we would start at like eight o'clock in the morning. So at eight o'clock in the morning, it was like 50 degrees. Mm -hmm. And then by noon, it was like 80 five degrees and we're all sweating, you know, and then as the sun goes down at like four o'clock, it's like 50 degrees again. So we were having like our own change of the season within one (laughs) day. Yeah. Within the same day. Yeah. Do you get to check out any like of the local spots in Redondo while you're filming or is it just all work the whole time? Oh my God. Are you kidding me? We like, (laughs) so funny enough, hot dog on a stick, which was my very first job, like stomping lemonade and frying corn dogs. The original hot dog on a stick is on the Redondo beach pier. So I was there like every day. Okay. <laughs> There's this incredible like Bedia place who does like Bedia tacos and like quesadillas. So mm. literally we were there like every day. Plus you've got the quality seafood fish mart that was down there. So we were like getting lobster rolls and shrimp cocktail and like fried clams, like anything you could possibly think of. Like we were all over that pier every single day. The contestants, the chefs, the guest chefs, like it was, it was so much fun. It was basically like we were having our own like summer camp, but we were shooting a show. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a dream. We actually didn't even do, funny enough, we didn't even do, instead of us doing catering for all of the crew, we just gave them like stipend because everyone just wanted to eat on the pier every, every single day. Oh, fun. Yeah. So everyone was just like, where are we going for lunch today? Like sometimes it would be this, sometimes it would be that. And of course, everyone's like frozen bananas, like churros, you know, you know, huge ice cream, like Sundays. Like it was, I'm telling you, like we were all at a giant summer camp. Yeah. It sounds exactly like 
like summer camp. That's yeah. so fun. <laughs> well, we will see who's crowned the winner in the finale. But in your opinion, which coast has the best food? Oh, I can't tell you that. I, <laughs> I can't tell. That's like choosing like your favorite child. You know, it's and it's so hard for me too, right? Like growing up on the East Coast, and obviously, like all my family still lives on the East Coast, and you know, so whenever it's like, okay, I know what I love about the East Coast, and then I, I live on the West Coast now. All my businesses are there, so mm-hmm. for me, I'm like, oh my god, I love the West Coast. This is what I love about the West Coast. You can't decide. You can't choose. It's like, and every single day it was like that. And so thank God I had, you know, sometimes always one, if not two other judges to help me really kind of like figure it out. Yeah. Well, we are looking forward to seeing everything unfold, but you also made an appearance on HGTV's Barbie Dreamhouse Challenge. Yes. What was that like? So first off, I was so excited that HGTV like had me on to do this. The Barbie Dreamhouse Challenge, I could have never even like dreamt that ask ever in my entire <laughs> life. So, And how about this? I have a Barbie now, okay? I have a Barbie who has like, Black Converse. Wait, your own Barbie? Yes, I have my own Barbie. Oh my gosh. She has a black leather jacket. Her hair's in a bun. She's got black Converse on. She like looks just like me. Like I love her so much. My partner, Jasmine Roth, who shoots a show. She actually was one of the guest judges on Beachside with me. Like Mm. her and I are like, I'm obsessed with her. She is the best. And so her and I basically redid the kitchen, obviously. What else would I do? And the the family room. And it was, I mean, I was breaking down walls. I was ripping out cabinets. I learned how to cover cabinets. There's a lot of like toyetic features that I've now just like learned. To, and honestly, like this kitchen, I'm like, there's so many parts of this kitchen that I want my own kitchen now. <laughs> you know, I text uh, Jasmine probably every other week asking her like, design and like, you know, design recommendations, but it was like incredible. And Ashley Graham is like a life-size Barbie in herself. Like she's amazing, (laughs) but it was, it was really, really special. It was actually really special just spending time with the HGTV like folks. They're so much fun for the record. They are just like chefs. They just don't (laughs) cook anything. They rip things apart, but they're literally just as crazy. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And you were the only, like you were like holding it up for all of the Food Network people. I was representing the Food Worker people at the Barbie Dreamhouse Challenge, yes. And and you guys kind of, it sounded like each team, you know, had a different room that they were assigned to and kind of a different era of Barbie. And your, your guys' era was 1960s. 1960s. So, I mean, how much fun did you have with just that theme in general? Well, first off, I was a Barbie girl. Like, I loved Barbie. Absolutely. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't wear a lot of pink. Right. But I wanted to always like cut Barbie's hair. Mm-hmm. Like I was into like styling Barbie. She like, you know, was my, she was my brother's shark's girlfriend. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I had multiple Barbies. It was amazing. What, like learning the history of Barbie, you know, that mm-hmm. was like the most incredible part. Right. So the sixties is when was like the first Barbie dream house. So kind of understanding the, the birth of it, Right. And seeing the design change and actually seeing sort of, you know, the growth of Barbie, if you will, which is it was like so brilliant. But when you really kind of get into the depths of it, and I don't mean to sound like so crazy, right, about it, but in 1960, before there was a an actual person who went to the moon, right? Mm-hmm. They actually designed an astronaut Barbie. Oh my gosh. And there was a picture of her that we actually hung in the family room. Mm. And so it was this, you know, it was sort of this very like undercover you know, what women could do, right? And what was this possibility for women and young girls, you know, and giving them this like 
sort of ideology without really screaming it from the rooftops. It was just Mm -hmm. this very sort of subtle, like you get to play with this doll that's dressed as an astronaut, right? Before there's even an astronaut in space, right? And then there wasn't a woman in space until like, you know, the late eighties, I think. Wow. And so it's, it is just a, you know, there, there were all those kinds of sort of, you know, small little sprinkles of, you know, of thought that went into this doll, that it wasn't just so much, you know, and it's interesting talking to older people who, you know, cause my generation of Barbie was like the eighties and nineties, mm-hmm. right? Really the eighties. And, but having people that played with the doll in the sixties talk about, you know, what it meant to them. And it, and it was so true. It's like, there was this fantasy world that you lived in that you played in. Right. And so it was, it was kind of fun to go back and think about sort of the generational, um, you know, thread that like, that has us all together. Right. That Mm -hmm. goes from the sixties, the seventies, the eighties and nineties. And then also just seeing like the design trends and all of that. It was really like, it was really special. Very, very, very special. I did also get to thumb through the very first Barbie cookbook ever. Oh, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yes. I have (laughs) pictures of it on my, on my cell phone. I don't know if that's legal, but I have them. (laughs) There's a lot of recipes for Ken. I'm just going to throw that out there. Okay. But not like health, not healthy. He liked a lot of fudge. Apparently there's a lot of like fudge recipes. Also, so a lot of peanut recipes. Apparently there was zero peanut allergies okay. in the 60s because like every other, there's like an entire chapter on peanuts. I was just like, oh my God. But yeah. Did it get competitive or was it more of like a, a friendly competition in this case? You know, like I said, the HGTV design stars mm-hmm. are just like chefs. So they're very competitive. They're very competitive. <laughs> they are very competitive. They do not like to lose. You know, I was in a whole other world, right? I was just like, Jasmine was like, we should break this wall down. And I was just like, are we allowed to? And she's just like, I don't know. And so we just did it. And then they were like, the other team was very mad because we broke into their wall. Oh, And so I was just like, I'm just here as a guest. And like, uh, you know, and so there was a lot of that that happened. Well, we are very much looking forward to uh, seeing that unfold as well as Beachside Brawl. What, what can we look out for on the, on the Beachside Brawl finale as it wraps up? Well, so the B-Side Brawl finale is actually going to be a two-hour finale. Mm. It is, you know, we've got Guy Fieri and Alex Guarnaschelli who are going to actually be our finale judges, which made me nervous. It's like <laughs> I work with them all the time and I love them, you know, like they're friends. And all of a sudden they were coming to set to to judge. And I was all of a sudden like wildly nervous, <laughs> which was strange. But it was really like, it, it's it's an incredible finale. Like when the judge, when all of the uh, chefs saw them walk onto that pier and they knew that that was their finale judges, it just made it very, very real for them, like what this meant. And so, what, you know. what, did, the, what did the crowd do? <laughs> was screaming, are you kidding me? Like, you know, poor guy and Alex, they were on those little like golf carts being like ushered from the back of the pier to the front of the pier and like people were chasing them on the little like golf carts. So it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. Uh, well, can't wait to watch. We are going to finish things off with a little rapid fire okay. round and then we have one final question for you. All right, summer cocktail or mocktail of choice? Oh, the spritz, Campari spritz. And if I want to get a little crazy, I'm going to throw a shot of gin in there. Oh, okay. Love it. Favorite summer movie? Favorite summer movie. Okay. Do not make fun of me. (laughs) Okay. Oh my God. What was that movie? The Surfers. They were like, they were, they were. Oh, you're talking about Point Break? Point Break. Not Point Break. (laughs) And it wasn't the guy surfers. It was the Oh, you Blue Crush. Blue Crush. (laughs) Best summer movie ever. Love Blue Crush. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I think that's a good one. I would not make fun of you for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Favorite me time activity? For the summer? Yeah. Favorite me time activity for the summer? Bike rides on the pier. 
Mm. Bike rides on the on the boardwalk. Your next travel destination. Next travel destination. Okay. And also, I just got back from like Wyoming. I need to go home. Yeah, that's true. All right. So my, next, my next destination needs to be Los Angeles. It's just home. Okay, yeah, home. fair, fair, fair. Um, guilty pleasure TV show right now. Oh, guilty pleasure television show right now. What did I just... I'm actually still watching Succession. Mm, okay. Like on repeat. And honestly, okay, you ready for what I do literally almost every year? I watch, oh my God, what's that president drama from like the, the oh. 90s? Oh, from the 90s. The oh. West Wing. Oh, West Wing. I watch the West Wing like on repeat. <laughs> like I just kind of have it in the background playing because I just feel like it just makes me feel better. It's just like your comfort. Your, it's your, like your comfort show. Yeah. Why isn't, what's his name? The president. What's his, yeah. <laughs> what's his name? Martin Sheen. Best president, <laughs> best president that's ever been. Martin Sheen. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, all right. Desert Island ingredient. Oh my God. You can't ask me desert island ingredient because I have like seven. Okay. Well, give teen. us. Oh, <laughs> I was going to say, give us all <sighs> seven. <laughs> I can't live without because they all go together. Like I can't just say bread, right? Because it goes with like olives and cheese and olive oil and prosciutto. You know what I mean? So like, you can't just give me one. <laughs> you can't just have the bread. Yeah. No, but I want that. Like my, like my, if I was like last meal, like on a desert Island, it would have to be like cold cuts, olives, like olive oil, cheese, bread. Like it, that's actually one ingredient. Okay. It's just like a board of yeah. all of your yeah, As an Italian, like, that's one ingredient. Yeah. Okay. okay. Fair. I'm going to give that to you. Well, as you know, we always ask our guests the same question at the end of each episode. But since you've been on before, we're going to I keep... don't remember. I actually I know. have an awful memory. That's so I will true. not remember what you asked me. You, you, you will not remember. But also, like, let's keep it beachy, summer-themed for okay. this. So we want to know what would be on the, the menu for your perfect food day. So take us through breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert. You know, they can be different coastal locations, different summer locations. You know, you can time travel, like reg this. regular travel, whatever oh. you want to do. It's There's no rules. I can time travel. You just took us to a whole <laughs> other thing right now. Through, you really you just in made there. it like that much harder for me because you were like, oh, one ingredient on the beach and I gave you a charcuterie board. And now you're asking me to give you an entire meal I can, that I like, can. There's no rules. That yeah. I can go back into the 20s for. Exactly. Okay. So a perfect entire day of eating for me would be for breakfast, okay, would be like a Long Island diner breakfast, mm. okay, which would be like a Greek omelet, mm -hmm. okay, that would start off with like, it would be like feta cheese, spinach, tomatoes, right? Mm -hmm. And then, but then I would have to get hash browns from California because the East Coast <laughs> doesn't do hash browns. They do like potatoes. So mm -hmm. I want the hash browns. Okay. okay. And then I'm going to bring my LA into it too. And I want a side of avocado. Of course. I want a side of crispy bacon. And then I want French toast, like just classic, like diner French toast, like syrup, butter for the table. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then for lunch, I would have, I would transfer over to like Cape Cod area. And mm -hmm. I would have like lobster hot, like a hot lobster roll with like extra brown, uh, like extra drawn butter. Mm -hmm fried clams and like a chowder for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Then for dinner, I would probably go Italian. Of course. And you <laughs> gave me to. this option. No, you have record. to. You, you gave me this to. option. You have to. I would definitely go everything I just said on my stranded island, right? Mm -hmm. So I'd have <laughs> be like Italian cured meats, cheeses, olives, like crispy artichokes, marinated peppers, a lot of bread, fresh mozzarella. 
then that would go into a super easy pasta of like penne, spicy tomato sauce. I actually like to toss arugula into it going back mm. to like, see how my LA New York's like? Yeah, you just like to like combine Go back and forth. And then I would toss like fresh arugula into that, but then I would shave Parmesan cheese into it. And then, but I would finish it with pecorino, but then shave Parmesan into it. Okay. So I had both. <laughs> and then it would be like a New York steak. Mm. Now that I just said steak, there's also like a whole steakhouse dinner that I just thought of. <laughs> that you, now you're, well, I mean, like, add it on. Okay, I would go There's like, no rules. So it would be a porterhouse cooked medium. And then I would have it with like cream spinach, onion rings, Bernays sauce. And I don't think I want dessert. Okay. <laughs> just because I had an Italian dinner and a steakhouse dinner together. I feel like we're good. I mean, I, I feel like this was a very on-brand, bi-coastal, Antonia, perfect food day. So I'm I trying think- to tell you, like, I flip-flop back and forth to the coast. Like, if I'm in a diner in, a, you know, in New York, right? It's so funny, too, because, like, if I get a bacon, egg, and cheese from a bodega, sometimes I'm like, egg whites. <laughs> that's, that's not allowed. <laughs> They do it for me and I don't apologize. <laughs> well, it's been such a joy catching up with you and hearing all things, you know, summer beachside brawl and Barbie dream house. So thank you so much for taking the time. Always so good to see you. You can catch Antonia on Beachside Brawl Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern on Food Network and streaming on Max. And you can also catch her episode of Barbie Dreamhouse Challenge, also streaming on Max. Make sure to follow us wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a thing. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review. We love it when you do that. That's all for now. We'll catch you foodies next Friday. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.